millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, a podcast from The Independent on everything to do with love, sexuality, identity and more. This week, I spoke to the best-selling author and journalist Candice Braithwaite. We talked about so much in this episode, including Candice's latest book, Sister Sister, a brilliant collection of essays about all the things she wishes she knew when she was growing up, covering everything from family and friendships to money and dating. We spoke about the complexities surrounding interracial relationships, and why Candice always advises black women to go where the love is. For those who don't know, I should mention that Candice was one of the women targeted by a fake trolling account set up by Clemmie Hooper, who used to go by Mother of Daughters on Instagram, but is now no longer on the site due to the fallout from that whole very messy situation, which we do talk about. Enjoy the show! How are you doing? I am good, thanks. I had to pause. I think I'm doing that British thing of, yeah, I'm so great. Everything's wonderful. It's a bit (laughs) up and down, like, okay, the world's somewhat open, but we still feel the weight of COVID. You know, it's not going anywhere. But when you're trying to run a business or you're self-employed, it just feels like you have to be back out there, all systems go. So I'm a bit all over the gaff. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, but... I absolutely love my life. So I also don't want the universe listening and being like, okay, love, I'll fix that. No, 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 we're fine. I'm just having to like recenter myself, so to speak. Mm. I mean, you've got a hell of a lot going on and I can imagine yeah. particularly now with the book release and stuff, it's been quite intense. Yeah, it, this one um, for Sister Sister, I feel like people are getting like buy one, get one free because uh, lockdown, we were in the first lockdown when my first book was published. And so now it's very much like, can she come here? Can she come there? Can you do a signing there? And it feels really overwhelming. I don't um, want to speak negatively about this book. I think it's great. I do wish I'd waited a bit though. There is like- I was gonna say, it's very, it is quick because um, I'm Not Your Baby Mother came out, when was it? Was it June 20? Yeah, 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 literally. And so it's I'm very like- very quick. Super quick. Um, this wasn't as hard to write because I'm sure this is a question that will come up later, so I won't go into too much detail. But this um, book proposal was floating around way before I'm Not Your Baby Mother was even a, a conception. So it was really easy to write, but it, I do wish that I'd taken a bit of a break, but there is the pressure of this whole um, instant gratification society we're living in. And like, you've got to be seen to be working all the time, all the time, all the time. It's something that once I'm done with the promotion of Sister Sister, it's something I'm going to actively try and promote for myself. Um, Of course, I run a business and I need to make money, but I don't think people need to hear from me as often. You know, I think, no, I think gaps are good. Gaps gaps are good, you know. Allow people to be hungry. Allow your readers or those that consume your art to be, a bit like oh my god where is she you know mm, I think that's a totally. good thing 
Yeah, and we're not really, we don't really talk about that enough and we're not really conditioned to think that way because like you said, it's kind of like strike while the iron's hot and go as fast as you can and do as much as you can and that's not really good for any of us. Right, so let's talk about Sister Sister. Uh, Tell us what it's about and and how it came about. You know, you just mentioned now that that was kind of brewing for a long time. Yeah, Sister Sister is essentially a collection of essays based on lessons I've learned the hard way and I'm sharing them hopefully so other people don't have to learn these lessons the hard way way um and you know oh god I'm not selling it but let me be frank sister sister is nothing new there is nothing new about these like um you know self-empowerment hard lessons learnt type manuals the massive difference is none of the ones I came across as a as a young woman were ever written with a woman that looked like me at the center And so, oh yeah, cool, you're telling me, you know, oh, just love your hair the way it is. Mine just absolutely does not go into a ponytail, and this is before I had a shaved head, so could we consider that? Okay, you're telling me, you know, oh, be confident in yourself, and boys will chase after you. Yeah, but I'm a black girl in a space where boys have been conditioned, even boys that look like me, to hate me. So how do I deal with that? And I absolutely am not the target audience for Sister Sister, because so much has happened in so much has changed but I would say 18 19 20 I would have killed to get my hands on this kind of book because there Mm. were just so many unanswered questions there were just so many more hurdles for a girl like me so many more pitfalls that I had not seen explored in a book at all and funnily enough sister sister got turned down about 10 times Really? Yeah, about te- we took that that idea to various publishing houses and pre-BLM they were very much like there's no market for this. You need to make your writing more universal. Like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like is there a way that you can make this about everyone and not just solely the black british experience it was very much that kickback i know (laughs) i mean i'm so pleased that it got published but christ it's depressing to hear that it it it, it was it the language that was used to talk about it in that way and it's just like for black lives matter to be the thing that means oh no now it's okay yeah now it's in demand like yeah yeah that's the world we live in isn't it um I mean you know the publishing industry is notorious for that unfortunately Mm. but things are things are improving I think aren't they slowly yeah really slowly and you know I'm about to do some kind of festival speaking about and to the publishing world and now our biggest problem is it's not that we are lacking for black writers our biggest issue is and I found this with I'm not your baby mother during the editing process uh my the the corrections and stuff were coming back and in the margins it was saying stuff like well surely all africans say this or um i've never seen black people use these words and after some investigation i found out that i'd been given a freelance editor who was in her early 60s still lived at home with her parents and played the violin I was like, yeah, this is this really, I literally picked up the phone. I was like, this is so not going to work. You know, <laughs> please find me an editor who at least halfway gets what I'm talking about. And that's the problem. We've got so many great black writing voices now, but the industry is still so like pale male and stale or female and stale because it's very, it's a women led industry, but it's like, okay, um, we are at risk of diluting black voices because editors don't know what to do. 
you want the material, but you don't really know how to craft it. You don't really understand what black writers are saying. And so now I'm just like, yeah, we've got more than enough black writers to go around. How are we going to fix this institution from the inside mm. out? That's yeah, God, that's such a that's such a good point. And I think unfortunately that's probably true across a lot of industries as well, mm. isn't it? Like even even in journalism, I think it's pretty similar. Yeah. Um now let's talk about dating, because you write quite a lot about that in Sister Sister, and I know you're married and you have two children. Yeah. So what made you want to reflect on that period of your life and what was that like to look back on that now when it's obviously seems <sighs> so long ago? I had to reflect on dating because it is it is by far the most disruptive period of my life and the period of my life that made me question myself the most because everyone around you is seemingly dating or settling down and you're constantly finding yourself left on the shelf, so to speak. And now with, okay, so again, we might talk about this later, but let's use Love Island as an example. Year Mm. after year after year, we watch the black girl go in there and be disrespected or rejected or left on the shelf or painted as the angry black woman. Like we're literally watching this in real time. And unfortunately, Love Island is a very, very big reflection of, of the space we live in. And that's just not from a white point of view. This kind of thinking, this negativity surrounding, um, the black female form also exists within our own community. And again, I had never come across a book that was like, if you're a black woman, dating's gonna be really hard because even the men you give birth to have been positioned to hate you. How are we gonna deal with this? Oh, and guess what? The darker your skin is as a black woman, oh my God, you better double down. And then there's this idea, right, that black women should just cling on and hope that there's gonna be a change or accept a really rubbish partner just so they're able to say that they've got a man who's willing to stay with them like Friday to Sunday, but then he's with another girl Monday to Friday again. Mm. And I was like, absolutely not. And what's so funny is discussing dating, having this conversation. um, I understand that me being in a really loving hashtag black love or whatever type relationship uh, is a gift and a curse because there may be many black women reading that being like, oh, well, you can talk, you know, it's all rosy for you. But it could also be like, I feel like this is really weird to say. I feel like there's a large... Um, portion of black men literally just dying for me to be single, just dying to be like, oh, that didn't work. And that's because you're too confident, you're too comfortable, you're too sassy. And like, because I'm the kind of black woman that openly says I can't cook, I'm not the blessed cleaner, we just got a housekeeper, she means everything to me. Like I don't go above and beyond for this attention. And being rejected time and again in my teens, as painful as that was, I think, Um, that made me get really clear about what I will and won't do for love in my Mm. later years, you know? Why do you think we still have these such rigid ideas of what we think women need to be, not just generally in society, Mm. but what women need to be in relationships? Like like you said, like men saying they they want you to fail because you're too confident or too whatever. Why do you think we're still battling against those stereotypes and and obviously they're much more pertinent as a black Mm. woman what why do you think we are still fighting against that now people are gonna hate me but we're still fighting this because there are people that call themselves women still playing that game 
there are women who are willing to overperform. There are women who are willing to like talk utter shit to me on the internet because I admit I can't cook. Oh my God, he's gonna leave you. Like it's literally an internal battle at this point. And it's like, unless we can all get on board with the idea that that way of thinking is dead and that the definition of woman should be defined by the individual, we're going to be here until this world can bust or whatever, because mm. that's what it is. You know, that's where we are. And as as annoying and as painful as that is, what I can do is take control of my definition and share my definition, hoping that specifically other black women come across me and they're like, oh, my God. I don't need to be this like stay at home, bake a cake, Barbie type, you know, no, you absolutely don't. And um, you will feel so much better for it. Do you know how, how fulfilled I feel when I, I know I can wake up every day next to my other half and be myself and just be like, mm. I don't have to perform. And I know some black women married performing. They're, mm. they're still keeping up this performance and they're the type of woman that in, in 40 years time they'll be an older lady sat around grandkids at a party and they'll be so miserable because they spent the best years of their life performing for this guy that's either now dead or completely walked away and I'm just like mm -mm, mm -mm. Mm. if there is a god if I played my life like that I would get there and he'd slap me to hell as far as I'm getting like, what a waste of time that was. <laughs> For the record, I cannot cook either. I am like... terrible. I just, I've tried and it just does not come naturally to me. I also, baking is even worse because I'm like, with baking, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a domestic goddess. I'm going to channel all that stuff. Baking's a science, right? You can't be all slapped up. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't have any flour. I'll just use this, use this. It's a disaster. Um, <laughs> in the book, you, you write about how black women shouldn't feel indebted to the idea uh, mm. of a relationship that is so often withheld from them. And mm. your advice is to, to go where the love is. So talk yeah. to me a bit about what you mean by that. I think that's really interesting. I find the uh, blowback, the pushback, the online noise to black women who decide to date out of their race to be really disgusting. And so few people, so few black men are willing to analyze the fact that 90% of these black women, them dating outside of their race was their last choice. This wasn't like they woke up and they're like, I'm totally just, you know, oh, guess what? Black men are just not my preference. The person that I've lived with or been around, not my preference. I'm just going to, no, it's very, you know, I've spoken to a lot of black women and I wouldn't even say 90, 99% of them um, being in a interracial relationship was their last choice because it's like, I'm going to turn to a bag of bones waiting for someone who looks like me to um, show up for me or support me or love me. And so I am absolutely the queen of go where the love is. Like this idea, this pinnacle of black love, I'm in a really strong black relationship. I even say in sister, sister, God forbid he dies before me. Don't be effing looking for a redo of that. I'm just not invested in breaking myself down enough in that manner just to say oh look you know black love I'm, I'm with a black guy I will absolutely go where the love is and that may be a black guy but data and my life experience has shown me um it's more than likely that it won't be and I want mm. black women to feel like really safe in that choice so yeah because you write about interracial relationships in detail and you say you know that they require work like like any other relationship but 
you point out the importance of recognizing that you're not being or being able to recognize when you are being fetishized or mm. as you say used being used as a preference to dissolve someone else's self-hatred so what yeah. do you think of the kind of red flags that might indicate that that is happening what are the red flags okay that the, the white guys that just you know say you're because let me be extra say you're 18 months in and you never meet their family complete red flag complete red flag or say you don't meet their close friends or they won't call you girlfriend in front or said friends or family complete red flag I don't know how some people would go about this and I don't even know what you can reference on this podcast but if they are like literally obsessed with ebony porn get the frig out of there like run for the hills it's like these things become very very obvious another thing is like if they are if they want to parade you, like get doled up, go out, all of that. But say when the makeup's off and you're out of the dress, they cannot or do not want to communicate about things like BLM. Or maybe you feel like, you know, you've had a bad day at the office because of microaggressions. If they're not able to have those discussions, absolute red flags. And I Mm. can't honestly sit here and say, I know what an interracial relationship is without those red flags because all of mine contained a version of or all of the above Mm. so I can't even sit here and offer the flip side that's like but you may find someone who um quote unquote has done the work and reads the books and knows I don't know that that's not to say it doesn't exist but I do want black women to 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 recognize those red flags and run for the hills yeah because you write about um, you write about this breakup that you went through um, mm-hmm. in an article for Bureau about a, a man who who told you his language was very interesting that he saw the world in black and white and he explained that <laughs> there were no black people living in the village where he came from. I mean, it sounds like something from like a Jane Austen novel. <laughs> Uh, like a really really racist Jane Austen novel um, and then <laughs> he just didn't think that your relationship would work in the long term so can I ask how old you were when that happened and, and oh how you God. reflect on that looking back now because I can imagine that I think pretty- I was I was about 22 21 okay. 22 and he was he was older than me not that much older but older old now again upon reflection older than I would have liked if I had a little bit more sense in my head and yeah mm. he was great with language he literally was like I see the world in black and white and you see it in color and that's the problem I just see I see way more barriers to us having this relationship interestingly enough he is now um the father to a mixed race child um so oh wow yeah I don't... <laughs> um and you know from because people talk it's 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 been it's been hard for everyone involved in that situation because now he's forced to deal with some things and confront some things you know which again I always find you know the world's been really good to me I've had some tough situations but I seemingly feel like I'm in a bulletproof Bentley and all of this stuff ends up in my rear view and I just watch people's lives like combust into flames and I'm like oh my god sucks for you and then I drive on into the sunset and I feel I feel like that about that relationship um and yet it was just really sad because we weren't just dating and he red flag he had met my family I hadn't met his all of that stuff you know um but that was a massive wake-up call for me it was like Mm. so how much longer are you gonna play this game 
joke's on me, I played it for a little while longer because the ex after that was absolutely the worst of all exes. That ex was like, who was um, Carrie's worst ex? It's still big in my opinion. That mm, ex then Burger, was, Jack Burger. Oh um, my, yes. So that ex was then Burger. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So misogynist. Yeah, it took a long yeah. time, but but it would. Again, when you're surrounded by media and people that constantly reflect to you that you're not lovable, mm. you are going to end up in in hurtful situations. To be mm. fair. Um. You recall how you kind of spent years chasing men who only loved themselves. And I think Mm. that's a really common experience for straight female listeners of this show, uh, particularly those in their 20s, because it is that idea of, you know, trying to find someone who's going to validate your insecurities, but they also kind of exacerbate them at the same time. So Mm. how did that kind of level of narcissism manifest in your relationships with these men and how... How did you come to recognizing it? Or was it only in retrospect now that you you're able to recognize it? Definitely. I think it's really hard to see it at the time, isn't it? Yeah, definitely only in retrospect, definitely. So the the Jack Burger um was a lot older than me, far too old for me. Um had had kids that could walk and talk and use the toilet and all of that. And now I'm just like, you were just such a puppet in that moment, a puppet to their ego and their position in the world. But I do take some of the blame. You know why? I had been told by many women around me that the goal was just secure a rich, wealthy guy who's going to look after you and you don't have to do much. Like, that's the goal. You just want to be... And looking at their lives, they went about that even to the point where they left their morals and self-respect and values on the floor in order to perform this quote unquote easier life. So for any straight woman listening of any race who finds themselves in that scenario, I just want to say this, nothing feels, again, I don't know if swearing's allowed, but nothing feels- Yeah, you can swear. And nothing feels as fucking good as making your own money. It's the sickest Mm. feeling in the world. It's such a sick feeling to like, maybe you're on a date with someone and they're just pissing you off and you can control every element of your life. Because let's be honest, a lot of um, younger women, you go, we end up with these really narcissistic men because we've been sold the idea of someone has to save you and he's going to do the building. And you can, there's like, there's a 50s housewife element in there somewhere. It's like, I want to be with this older, richer, guy who's going to protect me and uplift me oh cut the crap it's just such a waste of time because the reality is the longer you stay with them the more of yourself you lose and it just gets harder to get that back and so um after the end of that relationship I want to say I took a while off but that's a lie because then my husband came into my life and that's a very different scenario and that was a hard one to get my head around because he's very obviously black and um he was he was by no means rich. We've actually had to build together. But that's been really, really helpful. And I just look back again on those times, cringing, but also like, I'm so thankful for those lessons. Because mm. what am I now, 33? You can't play me now. 
Like in it, if I had to go back, number one, I wouldn't go back into the dating field. Absolutely not. Um, so let's just wrap that up. But if that, let's just pretend I had to go, like you couldn't, I'm just not phased, you know? I look mm. back on the stupid, painful shoes and the dresses that were just really tight and constrict, And I'm just like, oh God. Oh, yeah, what? Oh, it's like a God. metaphor that those tight dresses. It's like a metaphor for what you're doing when you're dating. You're trying Lit- to date, impress a man Lit- who right? you, know, you feel insecure around. It's like you're squashing. <laughs> you're literally squashing yourself right? to impress him. It's so bad. And I it's remember so with um, like my burger ex. Um, mm. I no, I hadn't yet built started my career, but there were things that I was really so like at some course during our relationship, I was training for London Marathon. And he Mm. never once like wanted to hear about training. And I remember like the day I went to race, he just wouldn't get up. He didn't show up to cheer. He didn't. And like, I came back to where he was living with the medal and he was like, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, (laughs) it was just very like, you know, any, anything I felt was an achievement was cut short like it's not a conversation right. that's nice oh guess who I met today and guess what I'm doing next and then and I thought wow mm. wow you know long term Candice will you even stop trying to achieve things because in the space in which you live they're not celebrated mm. whereas now sometimes I don't want to celebrate things and my other half is so fucking like come on <laughs> Let's go out. Why have you not drunk? Why are there four bottles of champagne? You should have drunk three already. But I'm just like, because I'm just not feeling great about this. <laughs> like. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. how you met your husband twitter he stalked me on twitter i used stalk but he followed me on twitter we've done the maths for six years so he watched a lot of these relationships in real time and then i tweeted when that last relationship ended then he started like dming me and he was like oh my gosh i constantly miss your messages let's move this to whatsapp i'm the least technological person so i sent him a link to my whatsapp and then he phones me and I was like, hello, like, how the hell did you get my number? He's like, dirt, WhatsApp, like, I can just scroll to the top and see your number. Literally, the rest is history. Like, we we started dating, like, say, a week later. He came to the, the flat share I was in and he literally never left. And our relationship completely goes against all of the things you shouldn't do. Totally slept together the first night. Totally had fun. To- and it's just like... And having a relationship like that 
with him just it that makes me laugh even harder because I'm like everything we're sold is bullshit it's like yeah it is it completely is and the sleeping with someone on the first day ah! as well is such is such a thing we need to debunk because I've literally done that with every single guy I've ever dated as well I mean I, I, I'm in a relationship now but I'm just like it's such bullshit that we're not allowed to do that. And I think that's so shrouded in the shame we attach to female sexuality as well. And that's well, so rubbish. Like ima- imagine dating someone for two months or three months or six months. Okay. And this is outside of those who, for whatever reason, want to wait. Okay. That I'm not judging that. But outside of that, what just because like the world says don't do that or they try and make women feel icky. No, absolutely try before you buy. I have heard some horror stories like, oh god <laughs> yeah I think you have to test you you need to know how sexually compatible you are with someone you absolutely have to because you just you don't know until you try it you just don't know um I want to go back to Love Island because you brought it up earlier yeah. and obviously it's on at the moment um so the show like you said has been you know criticized for years mm. for the way the treatment of black women on the show mm. I think it took four seasons for there to even be a black woman on the show you know, I guess I'm curious to know, what do you think Love Island should do in order to try and rectify that or try and improve the representation? What what do you think is the answer? A lot of people are saying, you know, they need to cast more men that are attracted to black women because there's also, there's elements of fetishization, I think, isn't there? When the men yeah. are like, oh, I like women with dark features. Yeah. Like they just use that very ambiguous term. I know a few of the black women who have been on Love Island and they are so lovely and so gracious. Um, but I think black women should just, for as long as this show's still on the air, they should just stop going on there. It's just, we nothing ever changes. And I just think there has to come a time when, we as black women say enough is enough. And I've seen a lot of, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, people talking about the American version where there is a black woman on there and she's like, she's she's been in so many connections or whatever you call it. And like, she's really loved and adored. And I'm like, until we can get some of that US energy, we absolutely mm. should not be doing this, you know? I think there is a growing like resentment towards the show and it's mm. definitely not as popular as it was a few yeah. years ago. I think there can be value in the show sometimes. Mm. And I've written about that. Like there are a few things, but the thing is, the value in it is I think from watching men gaslight women and then women being able to be like oh that's happened to me or that is happening to me but at the same time obviously it's having to happen to someone in order for you to learn about it but I do think there is value in that but that's Mm. not what the show is intentionally doing obviously (laughs) it's sort of a a, (laughs) like an incidental byproduct but but yeah, I think I think as the years have gone on, it's just we need a different show. And actually, I really like Too Hot to Handle. I don't know if you've seen that. I've seen. Is that on Netflix? Good. I've not watched it's on it. Netflix. Yeah. yeah. So it's quite fun. See what I mean? There are different variations. I know I started watching something on Netflix. Was it The Circle or something? Like there are different ways to do these reality shows that, God dare I say, may make people more intelligent, may make them Mm. think or make them be like, you know, why is it that contestants on The Circle change their profiles to white girls or, you know, or a taller guy? Like what do we need to analyse within our society? I just feel like something, like love island it's just not giving very much and and even the think pieces that come from it we then have to depend on the population to be smart we have to depend you know on the population Mm, to to want to learn something else and and we can very and we all do it we 
we literally follow people who are like us. So all our social media is an echo chamber. We're like, oh my God, you're smart and you're open-minded and you want to learn. And this is great. And you put your phone down and you go out the door and you're in the 1%, babe. (laughs) Mm. Everyone else is just like, yeah, don't like her tits, mate. Like, there's a lot of that happening also. And so, um, yeah, I think we, and by we, I mean those who feel as though uh, there's nothing more to learn from shows like Love Island need to step away. I want to talk to you about I Am Not Your Baby Mother, obviously your phenomenally successful debut book that came out last year. Mm. So I'm presuming you wrote the book in 2019? Yeah. Was it around then? Yes. So it's kind of, it's a call to action for the UK to kind of see and make space for black mothers in the same way that Mm. it does for white mothers. Mm. So I wonder a few years on now from writing that book and post BLM, where do you think we are at with that now? And have you noticed changes in, in dialogue and social media and the people you talk um, to? I've definitely noticed changes in social media just because BLM was the loudest on social media, right? So all these businesses mm. and corporations that quote unquote would say use mummy influencers, everyone's just had to ground to a halt and start again. And all those really uncomfortable positions I was finding myself in, in my early mummy blogging days where I'm the only black woman on set, or I realize I'm being paid hundreds while the white women around me are getting thousands. Like all of that just cannot exist now because you will be exposed so heavily. So seemingly on social media, even though it's performative, there seems to be a change. But considering the success of I'm Not Your Baby Mother, I have yet to even smell another book about black British motherhood. That's a problem Mm. because um, lots of people don't know this, but if you go to the British Library today and say, I want a book about black British motherhood, the only book they can give you is I'm not your baby mother. There is absolutely nothing else in the, the entirety of the British Library about the experience of being a black mother. That is unreal. Oh, when I God, had unreal. my firstborn, I had to import all my books from the US. And yes, there are similarities. African-American women are more likely to die in childbirth also. Um, there are there are really stark differences. And so mm. also for me to be kind of sitting here with this pressure of being the sole voice in that regard, that's gross. That's really mm. gross. It's like, how can only my story matter? I don't know. What do you make of the term mummy blogger and of being within that world and being really the only black voice in that world still now? What do you make of um, that? I definitely will say, if it's not been made clear, I've, I resigned from that role. I'm absolutely, I should, I'm like, Ew, no. And what do I make of it? I won't lie. When I approached m- the gates of mummy blogging, I put my business hat on and I saw a gap in the market. I was like, oh my God, you, you all look the same, talk the same, wear the same clothes. Let's spice it up a bit. And let's see what happens when a black woman forcefully comes into the playing field. Uh, didn't really go down well. <laughs> There's been lots of ups and downs, you know. And so mummy blogging currently, I would say it's a world that I don't know and I don't understand because so many of the women I would say I was forced to play fair with maybe five years ago, I feel like I no longer have to. 
And so, and and there's there've been so many of them who have not been kind or gracious. And so it's felt really nice to be able to turn my back on that situation and say, I don't even fuck with that space anymore. I will mm-hmm. say that like my other friends who are influencers of some sort, they always keep me up to date on, oh my God, this new black family's coming up. And I'm like, okay, that's wicked that's wicked and what I've noticed from these new black families or black women who would call themselves mummy bloggers is um post BLM they don't have to put up with the bullshit I did it's like you know you know you're gonna go on to a diverse set you know no one's gonna want to not pay you fairly just in case there's an expose so it's Mm. really different I do feel like the black OG of that situation. And it's not even something that that I'm like, oh yeah, you know, pay homage. I'm just like, mm, let's not talk about that. It was helpful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've done some really great work, but it's not like the thing I want on my fucking gravestone, like mummy blogger of the year, 2018. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-hmm. also like, I don't think there was anything that really, showed parenting to be the true democracy that it is what as covid did like we don't give a shit how you're feeding your kid bro we don't care are they warm are they safe are we staying safe like covid just brought everything back down to the floor and it's like mm. dude not one version of parenting is better than the other um covid really in my opinion thankfully killed the idea of cliques and like batches of people who appear all over your feed and and make you feel bad and give you FOMO, like no one cares. And um, I'm and you know I will end by saying I'm really grateful to this stepping stone that mummy blogging could provide. Um, but it's just it's not for me anymore. You know, it's been mired in controversy as well with everything that happened with Clemmy Hooper and that whole. <laughs> <laughs> there's that there's that and just whilst I don't it's not even that I don't reference her often I barely reference her at all we must Mm. understand that her behavior is again that's a reflection of 90% that's a reflection of that coming out of your front door and putting your phone down type of vibe because I think Mm. we can really get a good sense about people when they think they're not being seen as I said, and I'm not your baby mother, all all that really matters is the stuff that you do when you think no one's watching, because that's a true reflection of self, right? And what happened there was a true reflection of self and a true reflection of what um, I had to deal with in that situation or in that scenario. Um, and that was tough. It's still something that I don't really let meditate on my mind because it's like, um, I feel so far beyond that situation and whatever she, they had going on. But it's just like, um, it's a really good example for what people have to deal with in these industries because mummy, I'm sure mummy blogging is not the only space that has these mm. really vile, competitive, two-faced elements to them. And so it really is about being aware of that. If you think, even for a second, for anyone listening, that you want to use social media to like build a brand or help boost your career, like this is one of the pitfalls that awaits. And I think how you manage, how I manage my, okay. So this is what's important. What she did is not important. What's important is how I manage myself in that moment, because that's all anyone remembers. It's like, oh my God, 
Candice absolutely said nothing. She went dead silent and she came back and, and just built her brand tenfold. That for me, that was a massive um, uh, teaching moment. I was like, okay, mm. babe, shit is going to happen. Shit is, it's just going to happen. How do you respond, if at all? Because sometimes, mm. I always say this, one of my favourite sayings is silence can't be misquoted. Sometimes, and it goes against everything we've been taught to do on social media, sometimes shutting the fuck up is so good. Just shut up, mm. just shut up, just shut up. So no one can misquote or twist or, you know, bend. Yeah. I completely agree because people are just waiting for you to fuck up they, in that situation. they are just waiting for you to waiting. screw up so that they can have something to talk about at the pub exactly um. and i i felt like so many people in that situation were waiting to be able to say see that's why she spoke about her that way or there's that angry black woman that was referenced that you know there it is there it is and it's like ha 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 not today not today yeah. and that's that's really unfair of course i was angry of course i get angry of course i'm hurt the reality is as a black woman who has quote unquote a public profile i can only ever show one side of myself and i went mm. to the brit school so i'm very fucking good at it to be fair like i got an a star drama b tech you cannot out act me but it does mean that I spend a lot of time in my home dealing with the emotional consequences of this job that I've chosen. It is time for our Lessons in Love segment. So I sound like a game show host. Um, I'd love to host a game show, actually. Um, so this is the part of the show where I ask every guest to share something that they've learned from their previous relationship experiences. Okay. So Candice, what is your lesson in love for us today? absolutely don't hate me I think this is the most important lesson that I I was told this by some people as well and I was like oh that's so god I know I can just feel the twitter fingers I can feel people's twitter fingers but I'm gonna say it uh for those in heterosexual relationships find a man that loves you more than you love them please interesting okay mm-hmm. find a man who loves you more than you right yeah. okay Okay, why? Why? When women love, we go all in to the point of emptying ourselves out. Like, we've got nothing left. We've seen it happen time and time again. The relationships around me that have gone the distance and that I just look at and I think, Jesus, that's so good. Some of the men even confidently say, oh, God, I love her way more. Like, I am just all about her. And that there is something about... Um, womanhood like my a lot of um, women around me always used to say like keep something back for yourself now that is not to say you treat this person like rubbish no love them but get with a guy who's always gonna go the extra mile it's just so beautiful and I you know I think women specifically get triggered when they hear that because you remember what it was like when you love someone more than they loved you you remember how shit that was, how you did all that shit for his birthday and he forgot yours, how you planned this surprise thing and he he never went out of the way for you. You remember all of that. And so this is like my, um, what's that word? This is like my love reparations. Get mm. with a guy who loves you more than you love him. I, I love that. I actually yeah. think that's really good advice. I love and my other half so like, much, but... yeah. I know he loves me it, a bit more. <laughs> it, it, re- it re-establishes the kind of power dynamics a little bit though, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a good way to like because, balance the books. Yeah, there are going to be times as a woman, maybe you choose to have kids or whatever. There are going to be times where the, the power is just not in your hands, right? Maybe because mm. of the physical or maternity leave or anything. And so it's always good to look at your bank account of love and see that he's always putting more in than you. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you are a new listener to this show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or anywhere else. You can comment and leave us a rating too so that more people can find us. Also, our book, Millennial Love, based on the podcast, is out now with Fourth Estate, and you can buy that at any good bookshop. Keep up with everything to do with the show on Instagram. Just search Millennial Love. See you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.